Welcome to Bear Creek AG's online service podcast. We're so glad that you tuned in with us today. We upload a new service every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. So we look forward to having you tune in with us again. Here's today's message. Can I tell you this morning, when I got here this morning and came into the sanctuary, and as I do every week, and turn everything on, and I'd spend some quiet time here in the altars, he was, it, was, it was already a sweet presence this morning. I knew God. You know, last week I felt an energy, and I told you that uh, before, I, uh, before the service. I just felt an energy. Today, there's a different energy. There is a sense of just reverence, peace, calmness. Do you, I hope you feel the calmness and the assurity that you're in the presence of your Father, your Heavenly Father today. Amen. Well, if you would, turn to your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 8. DJ Daryl, I've got a... Are you working on my sound? Okay, thank you, sir. No, that's fine. I thought I heard it going up and down and then echoing. I want to make sure it wasn't my battery getting weak up here. I'm not the Energizer Bunny, you know. Amen. Appreciate you guys, all of our, all of our behind-the-scene people, from cameras to sound. Uh, I just wish the camera people could make it where it don't look like I've gained 50 pounds when you see me on the on the computer, but anyways, make me skinny and mean and lean again, so anyhow, Acts chapter, heard a story about these uh, three men who went hiking in the woods, and, and they came across a bottle on the ground, and they picked up the bottle and looked at it, and they could tell that it was a special bottle, it had some insignia, some writing on it, it says, rub the bottle and a genie would appear, well, the, these three guys by the name of, of Glenn, uh, Jim, and Fred, they, they said, well, wait a minute, let's don't raw, rub the bottle now. Let's wait till we get home. We, let's think about what we would want when this genie appears. And so they said, good idea. So they put the, the bottle in their backpack, and they're hiking along. And, and suddenly they realize as they come to this raging river that they were lost. How in the world did we get lost? And so what, so the first guy stands up, he says, man, he just kind of said it out loud, kind of to himself. It was Jim, he says, man, you know what? I wish I had the strength to, to get across this river. And all of a sudden, poof, Jim's arms got huge, his legs got huge, and he just jumped in that river, and it took him a while, about drowned a couple times, but he swam this mighty river. It's like, wow, that was awesome. And then Glenn says, you know what? I wish I had the strength and the equipment to get across. He just thought it out loud to get across this river. And poof, suddenly a, a rowboat appears. And, and, and so Glenn gets in this rowboat and he rows himself, fighting the current. And he gets across. And there's poor Fred. All by himself on the wrong side of this raging, raging river. So left alone, he just says, he says, man, I wish I had the strength, I wish I had the tools, and I wish I had the intelligence to cross this river. And poof, the genie made him a woman. <laughs> and so he pulled out his compass and his map and walked a couple hundred yards upriver and crossed the bridge that had been there the whole time. All right. 
If you don't know those three men, I'm not going to put Deborah. I'm not going to put my other deacon in any of my jokes because Deborah makes me cakes and takes good care of me. Deborah, you are never going to be in one of my jokes. But those three cats are going to be in my jokes all the time. They're three of my deacons, and they've got a great sense of humor. Appreciate it, guys. Well, this morning I'm going to preach about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, doing a preaching, teaching series on it. But before we get started, I want to show you this video to you. I went into bars and went running around with my buddies and two of my buddies, I went to them and I said, I'm going back to church. I said, what we're doing is going to get us killed, you know, drinking and driving. And I started going to church and, and our pastor there, he was uh, preaching the word and it was good. And I started receiving it. And, and I, next thing I know, I found myself down at the altar receiving Christ. One of my drinking buddies, he, he ended up dead in a, in a drinking and driving accident. The other drinking buddy, he rolled his Toyota pickup. He ended up in a coma for a little while. And now he talks slow, he walks slow. And, and you know, I scratched my head and I said, Lord, well, you know, how come I made it? You know, how come I, but I know I had a praying mama. Now that I've got Jesus, you know, <laughs> it's a whole different deal. And, and I just wanna, I wanna walk in him. I wanna move and have my being in him and, and, and live for him, <laughs> you know. The lady evangelist came to town and was preaching about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. She gave the call. Does anyone want to be filled with the Holy Ghost? And my brother, he jumped up and he ran down to the front. <laughs> Not even two weeks into salvation. And he lifted up his hands and he began to speak in other tongues and loud. I thought he was going to bust every window in the church. We'd never seen nothing like that in our lives. <laughs> Some of us wanted to run out the back door. And my wife said, you better go down there and pray for it. I'll be honest, I was a little scared and intimidated. My brother left that church that night on a Tuesday night speaking in tongues, went home speaking in tongues. We, we tried to talk to him and ask him what had just happened. He couldn't tell us. My brother went home and got in the Word of God. And he found out what happened to him, that he was endued with power to be a witness. <laughs> she gave the same call on that Friday night, and I raised my hands up, and boy began to speak in tongues a little bit, you know, and so excited and, and just so full. I mean. I just thought it was going to explode. When they say it's joy unspeakable and full of glory, that's what, was, what I was learning was happening to me down there at that altar that night. And We didn't want to watch TV no more. We didn't want to listen to your latest country tune anymore. We wanted to read the Word of God. We wanted to be in prayer. We wanted to look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. When you don't know what to say, you don't know what verse to quote, you can pray in the Holy Spirit. And, and you can just, uh, the, 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 the power and the presence of the Lord will just... Uh, invade the room, invade you. Because uh, there again, he said, I won't be with you, but I'll be in you. He, he put a walk in me. He put a talk in me. He, he put his very spirit on the inside of me to be genuine. Isn't that an awesome testimony? I think, I think Daryl uh, could, could fit into our church pretty well, don't y'all? I mean, he's just a good old boy. Wasn't, going, wasn't living his life right, things happening in his life. Suddenly, he realized he needed a change in his life. He said, I'm just going to try God. You heard his testimony. Starts going to church, gets saved. Not sure about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A little frightened of it. And suddenly, God fills him with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Totally changed his life. He gets excited about what God's doing to him. He gets a hunger for the Word of God. He gets a hunger for the things of God. And I mean, praise God, what a testimony. I don't think you could convince him, just from hearing this testimony, that it isn't real. Amen? 
You know what, church? That's why I, I feel like God has laid this sermon series on my heart. I, I began two weeks ago. He didn't permit me to preach last week, and I'm okay with that. And, but I feel like this message is, if ever we need to hear the message and the promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's in the days that we're living today. And I know when I use that term, baptism of the Holy Spirit, you start thinking different things depending on how you was raised. If you weren't raised in church, it might scare you a little bit, or you might get it confused with water baptism. But this is what I want. I want to do as much as I can to answer the questions about who the Holy Spirit is and the baptism and the power that comes from that baptism so that you will desire it. I really do. I don't want it to be something that's just we teach about or doctrine that we just talk about, but we don't practice. I want it to be real because, listen, Jesus came, and I say this an awful lot, he came to give us life. John 10, 10 says, the enemy has come to do what? To kill, to steal, and destroy. He has the power to do those things in this world today. He is the God. Satan is the God of this world. Now, now we know that God reigns over all, but he has given Satan domain. That's why this world is in the mess. But if you read on in John 10, 10, he says, but I came to give you Life and life to the abundance. Now, that doesn't mean that he, well, it can mean he wants to pour life. He's talking about he wants your life that he came to give you to be fulfilling. He came, he wants you to walk in the abundance of his presence. He wants you to walk in the abundance, yes, of his blessings. He, he wants that. But here's the thing. He said, it's important, it's expedient that I leave. See, he died to give us the life, but he says, I'm going to go. Why did he have to go? To be at the right hand of the Father. Why? To be our advocate. I'm doing some teaching and some preaching. To be our advocate, to become our high priest, to fill the role of high priest. That was into the holies, into the sanctum of God. But then he said, but also so that my Father can send you the promise of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus came to give us life, the abundant life, but he left so that the Holy Spirit could come to give us the power to live in the abundancy of Christ. And see, so often because of our unknowing about it, our uncomfortability with it, because of what we have seen or what we have heard, I just this week, I was talking to somebody about the, you know, about the church and going here, and they said, oh, you're the people that handle them snakes. I says, well, we used to, but they all got away. We couldn't find them, so we just quit handling them, right? You know, and if you're uncomfortable with that, I'm joking. I'm joking. I also say we took the chandeliers out of here because we kept swinging from them, you know? It's like, no, I'm joking with that. We don't do those kind of things. I believe, the Bible says, and I believe it, that I can pick up a snake and it not harm me. I'm just going to leave God up to giving this snake to me. I'm not going to look for him, if that makes sense. It's all right. So I don't want to be presumptive. I don't want to test the Lord thy God, right? The Bible teaches that as well. So this wisdom. So I want that. I, I want you guys to have this hunger for the fullness of all of God that he wants to give you or put in you. Now, two weeks ago, we looked at the evidence of the power in the life of Peter. And I don't want to rehash that, but we saw before the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Peter was kind of Jesus' right-hand man. Uh, he, Jesus leaned on him. And, 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 and so, but we saw before the baptism that he denied Christ three times the night that Jesus was betrayed and put on, on the trial. This is a man who lived with Jesus for three years, saw the miracles, the one that says, you are the son of the living God, when Jesus asked him, who do you say am? And you know, he, he's the one who jumped out of the boat and walked on water. 
And all of a sudden now, under the persecution of the threat of death, he denies Christ. But after Acts chapter 2, or actually in Acts chapter 2, he is baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you see a life change. Now he goes out on the front porch, and he starts preaching the Word of God, and, and 3,000 are saved. And two chapters later, he's in prison with John, and they said the Sanhedrin, the same ones who just crucified Christ a couple months earlier, they said, if you'll just stop preaching Jesus, we'll let you go. He says, I'm convicted. I can't, I, I can't help but tell of the wonderful things of Christ. That's a changed life. No longer worried about losing his life. No longer worried what people would think, see? And that's the difference. He was the same man physically, but he was a different man spiritually. Because why? The Holy Spirit had empowered him. So today we're going to look at Acts chapter 8. And, and we're going to look at some things that hopefully will answer some questions. And at least some curiosity. And if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want you to, I want you to investigate this. You have your own word. If you don't, I'll get you a Bible. And I want you to read about it and determine for yourself what it means and see if it's not from God and it's not for every believer today. I believe it is. I'm biased. I know the difference the baptism makes in my life. But let's look at it. Now, for you to understand the history in this book, the book of Acts is a history book in a sense. It actually covers about 90 years of the spread of the church from Jerusalem to the uttermost parts of the world at that time. And for the first seven chapters of the book of Acts, most of the activities taken place in Jerusalem where the outpouring took place. And it involved primarily Jews being saved and their miraculous events taking place around that. But in chapter 6 and 7, something changes. A man by the name of Stephen suddenly loses his life at the hands of the Jews. Not the Romans, but the Jews. And so he loses his life. They stone him to death for the cause of Christ. And from there, the persecution against the Christians rose. And now suddenly in Jerusalem, these Christians are nervous. we got to get out of here. And so they scatter. And so we see that the beginning of the word scattering through the scattering of the believers from Jerusalem. It was God's plan for the persecution to come. I know our theology don't like that very much. But God said, get off the porch and get on out there. And you are to take it into the highways and the byways. And so for their fear of their lives, they, had to get, they were comfortable. And God says, no, I want you uncomfortable. Go. And so they did. And one particular place that they, that they went to was this geographical area called Samaria. And we're going to Old Testament history. Just know that the Jewish people didn't like the Samaritans. This is the group of people that Jesus went to the well, the lady at the well. And remember, his disciples, what are you doing talking to a lady of repute like this? Not imagine she's a Samaritan. Right? It's interesting that Jesus would use the good Samaritan parable. He used the Samaritan in that parable to get across who is your neighbor and how you're supposed to take care of them. Why? The Jews hated Samaritans. Now, there's a message in itself right there. They hated Samaritans, but this is where a man by the name of Philip, he left and went to. And as he's there, he's proclaiming the Word of God. He's been, he's been saved. He's been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So as he goes, he just starts telling people about Jesus. Because why? Why would he do that? Because that's what Christians are supposed to do. Oh, I thought I'd get... You missed a great point. Amen. You're a pastor right there, church. I'm going to try again. Because that's what Christians are supposed to do. There we go. i got some saved people in here this morning. Amen. Yeah, and so he does, and suddenly the Samaritans, they start giving their lives to Jesus. 
Now, what do you think is happening in Jerusalem? I'm not even to my word yet. Y'all hang on. This is good. I just feel, I feel like teaching a little bit before I preach this morning. Well, back in Jerusalem, the Jedi Council back in Jerusalem, they were a little suspicious about the Samaritans getting saved. So they sent their best two Jedi out, for you Star Wars fan, right? They sent Peter and John, look, we want you to go to Samaria. We heard the words being preached, and people hey, we're not sure about that. I mean, why would God save Samaria? We're not so sure, So, but you go there and investigate it. And that's where we pick up today. Peter and John leave Jerusalem. They go to Samaria, and they're wanting to investigate. Is this really what we're hearing? Is it true? Let's see what's going on. And we're going to pick up right there in verse 14 of Acts chapter 8. And it says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. So this is what they do. They send them down there. Verse 15, when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. That's important scripture. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now notice the words right there in this text. When they had arrived, they prayed for who? The new believers. These people had believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. They had been baptized in water to for repentance. And so what did they do? They come down there and they prayed. What did they pray for, John, Peter and John? For them to receive the Spirit because the Spirit had not yet come upon them. What's my point? What are you trying to say, Pastor? This is what I spoke about last week. There are two weeks ago. There are... The, the Holy Spirit works within us in two ways, okay? He first enters our life at salvation. When we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. He indwells us, okay? We're saved by His Holy Spirit. He resides in us. He enters into you and I. Our spirit man is born again. If you remember back in John chapter 3, we all know John three sixteen. but prior to Jesus making the proclamation, He's talking to a, a member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council called, Nicodemus. And he says, Nicodemus, you, had to be, you have to be born again. We don't hear that term too much anymore in the church because it does can cause confusion. But what do you mean? Oh, Nick got confused by it. And Jesus goes on to tell him in verse 6, he says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to what? Spirit. You should not be surprised by my saying, Nick, you must be born again. Why is that? Because before you are saved, you listen, when you are born, you're born with three parts. God is triune. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You are triune. You have a body. Some of us are in a little better shape than some others. This is a shape. Round is a shape. I'm a bodybuilder for 55 years. I know my age now. I've been building my body. All right? You have a soul. That is uniquely who you are. How many of y'all like Alabama football? You're saved and going to heaven. All right, I won't ask how many of y'all like the other team in Alabama or Florida, right? That is who you are. How many of y'all like chocolate? How many of y'all like dark chocolate? That's uniquely who you are. See, that's your soul. That's, that's the part of you you don't see, but that is really the real you. That's the real you. And then you have a spirit. But before you are born, your spirit is dormant. It's there. It's there. If we really believe that God knows us before we're ever born, what part does he know us before we're ever born? It's the spirit part of you. 
okay? And, but it's dormant. It doesn't have activity. You can, and, and I say that in the sense of spiritual activity. I, you can be evil. I don't, I don't mean to say that it's dead. I'm just saying that the, the part of that God wants to infill you, the part that God wants to bring to life, that the spiritual God side of you, if we're, built, if we're creating God's image, we're creating God's image in many different ways. Emotionally, Come on, physically, and, and, and Jesus had a physical body, but also there's a spiritual part of us. And so what happens is, is when you receive Christ as Lord and Savior, that dormant part of you, that spirit person of you, that lives forever along with your soul, it comes to life, and that is being born again. It's not that you are physically being born again. It's that your spiritual side is coming to life, but you're born again. You're born into a new life. And that's what he's talking about here. So, this is what happened to the Samaritans. They had experienced this through Philip's ministry. He had been born again. The Holy Spirit took up residence within them. But notice, when Peter and John lay hands on them, the Holy Spirit, which was already present in them, interrupts out of them. This is the second part I was talking about of grace. There is an infilling and empowering of the Holy Spirit. How do we know that? Well, look at verse 18. When Simon saw the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. Interesting, interesting line. And said, give me also this ability, so what? So that everyone who, on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Now, Simon was a sorcerer. He's a local sorcerer in this town. And what happened was he saw, he saw them lay their hands on these people, but something happened. Okay, now, you gotta, you got you to put yourself in the story. They'd already been saved by, by Philip's preaching, been baptized into repentance, into water. Peter and John show up, and they lay hands on them. And something different happened, because why? Simon says, I want that. I want, because he had manipulated people with a sorcery, sleight of hand. It may have been black magic. It may have been demonic. We're not sure of that. We just know that he, that's how he made a living. He said, "Woo! I want that ability why? What did he see? He saw something different. We can't say for sure what he saw, but something had happened that he had never seen before in the people that lived in his town. It was so evident that he wanted to buy this ability. Now, we're unsure of what this is. It doesn't say what he saw. He just saw something different. Many believe, as I do, that probably what he experienced, because of what we believe, our doctrine is, he, they probably spake, spoke in tongues and languages that they didn't know before. And he saw it, he says, oh my goodness, I know that person doesn't speak that language, never has. I, that's, that's something I want the ability to do. So he could sell this ability, see. But we can discuss until the cows come home what the evidence was. I'm just here to tell you that whatever it was, it was from the Holy Spirit. And when it came upon them, there was no doubt they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, even by someone who had never witnessed it before. Who knows? Maybe they got strong arms and legs could swim the river. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think we needed to argue about that as much as realize something that Simon had never seen before in these people was different. And he says, I want that ability. I want to be able to lay my hands on people and then be baptized. See, two weeks ago, uh, I, I talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and what it was about. And, and it really, to put it down in simplest terms, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit isn't about tongues. It isn't about prophecy. It isn't about miracles. 
That's part of it. If you look truly at the red letters, the words of Christ, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about power. Power. Not so that you can lord over people, but power within you for you to be a witness. Because that's what Christians are supposed to do. Oh, y'all missed that point again. Oh, my goodness gracious. Lord, save these people in the name of Jesus. Because that's what Christians are supposed to do. They're supposed to be witnesses. Thank you. Now, I know I'm having a little fun with that, but I am being serious. I, I, have your, I can tell right now that the Holy Spirit has your attention, not me, this attention right here. Because this is a life-changing message today and next week. How many of y'all have ever played with electricity? Yeah, okay. Uh, I need to say I've been shocked a few times. <clears throat> and we usually call electricity What? power. Well, hot. If it's hot, means the power's on. I know that term, absolutely. But usually for a novice, we call it power. We call the electric company the power company. When the electricity goes off, we say, is the power back on yet, right? We've lost power. Have you all lost power? All right. So we, we see that it's called power. And unfortunately, I, I've been um, bit a couple of times in my life, and uh, I know when it happened, if you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever been bit, you know when it happens, and when it happens, I usually am slinging my hands or I'm running around, and, and I'm not saying the Holy Spirit does that to you, so don't, don't build too much of a bridge here. I'm just what I'm trying to say. I may cry. I may sling my hands. I may go, ah, right? Whatever it may be, because why? There's power flowing through me. It is my reaction to the power that's going through me, and there's a noticeable reaction is what I'm trying to point out. There is an influence on me, <laughs> right? Come on. Yeah, it's like, seriously, it hurts. Worst time was when I was changing out a tube on a TV, and that's how old I am. And man, that thing was unplugged, but there was enough bite left of that thing. It, woo! I swore my ears were smoking. It was, but anyhow, let me try to bring this back down where we need to be here. It's not about me. When the Holy Spirit who enters you when you're born again, he baptizes you. There's this power. When he baptizes you, the second work of grace, there's a power that flows through you and it rubs out of you and it has an influence on you that the world will see a difference in you. That, okay. All right. That there is something that happens to you. That doesn't always happen at salvation. Can it happen at salvation? You, 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 there is a change in you at salvation. The Holy Spirit dwells you. But there's something about when you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, something happens about your witness. That's the point. You do not have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. But it sure makes the trip a whole lot more fun. Amen? You think I'm the way in because of y'all. Because of the Holy Spirit in me, see. Now, I'm a little crazy because of y'all, but most of it's the Holy Spirit within me. All right? Now, maybe a better way to explain this is I, I'm not a scientist by any stretch of imagination, but I did stay in a holiday and select one time, so we're going to use that for today, okay? I know a little bit about volcanoes. 
If you know anything about volcanoes, they get this substance in them called magma. It's, it's, it's basically, it's, it's lava. It's hot rock that's so hot that it's melted. It may have some other ores in it, but basically you understand what it is. You know? And what happens is there, there's, there, there is this gas in it, and as the heat from internal of the earth, inside the earth, the core, starts getting hot, it builds up pressure on this magma. Now, what happens is, is the rock, the rock shelf, the rock above it keeps it in place. It keeps it in check until... The pressure underneath that rock gets so strong, so mighty, that it blows whatever's holding it. It's going to blow it the weakest link, basically. And that's where it, the lava comes out and it makes the volcano, see? It, it erupts. When that volcano erupts, it, it has an influence. It has an, an effect on the volcano mountain itself, but also on the atmosphere around it and on anybody who's around it. Remember several years ago, Hawaii had one, and I mean that magma, it was that lava was coming down and coming into the streets, and they had to evacuate. The tourists couldn't go there because why? There's so much ash in the air they couldn't breathe. And it affected or influenced the environment around. That's what the Holy Spirit does through us. When He erupts out of us, and when He influences us, we have an influence on those around us, the world around us. Now, if you don't really like that example, can I give you another example? Y'all been wondering why this Coke's up here. And this is the children's pastor in me. Okay? If you was in my children's church, you probably saw this a million times when I explained the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This Coke without, this bottle without any Coke in it. Uh, by the way, Coca-Cola, if you could send royalties for me promoting your product, I would appreciate that. We'll send it all to missions. All right? Um, or build a new sanctuary out here too for we don't have to go to two services. But when this bottle is empty, it represents you before salvation. But as you're saved, we pour the Coke. This, this Coke in here has carbonate in it. It's got a gas in it, which I shook it up. You shouldn't see it. But it's in there. So when you're saved, the Coke comes inside you or the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. This is salvation. Now this bottle has become a bottle of Coke. You have become a Christian. You are a shell. And now Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Jesus saves you. The Holy Spirit comes in you. And now you are a Christian. But within this liquid, there's a carbonate that is not activated. It's just sitting there. Until what? I shake it. And when I shake it, look what happens to that. Isn't that pretty? It's just like you. And when the Holy Spirit now, which is in you, starts shaking your world up, baptizes you, you know what happens? You start having an effect on the world around you. If I were to open this Coke lid up, you would smell the Coke. You might feel the Coke. You would hear it. Right? Just like when the Holy Spirit baptizes you, not that you're Top's going to come off, but the weakest part of your body, the weakest member of who you are, come on, how many of y'all say things just this morning you wish you hadn't said? Hi, my name is Tony, and I have a, I have a loose tongue sometimes, okay, right? So when the Holy Spirit starts activating in you, all right, I'm going to talk about tongues in just a minute. This isn't about tongues, this is about the baptism. But it affects you when it comes out. But then it also affects how you live and how you act. And people around you, like Simon, are going to say, there's something different about what has happened to you. See? You don't believe me. Let me take this lid off real quick and show you exactly what happens. You don't want some, Mike? How about over here? No, you don't want me to do that because why? What I just told you would happen. It would spew out on you. You'd get wet. You'd smell it. You'd be sticky. And that's the effect the Holy Spirit has on us. What's on the inside would come out and you would hear the eruption. You'd smell it. 
and you would feel it, and there would be a difference in you. Understand, the Holy Spirit enters you in salvation. He gives you eternal life. But when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, He erupts from your life. He influences you, and every person that comes in contact with you should be influenced by your witness. And the great thing is it begins in your home with your spouse and your children. See, you want a loving home, home with peace? Let the Holy Spirit baptize you and influence the way you treat your wife or your husband or your children. You want blessings at work? Let the Holy Spirit baptize you in, your pow- in His power and watch how your witness changes at work and God will bless you you. He'll elevate you. You don't think God wants spirit-filled people in positions of power and influence in the marketplace? Now, I've seen some Christians not questioning their salvation that weren't baptized in the power, and they had a terrible witness. Why would God want to elevate you? It's like the guy who's got the follow me to Sunday school bumper sticker, and yet he's running people off the road going down 231, right? It's like, what kind of witness is that? All right. He wants to influence you. He wants to give you the power to what? To change your life, to change your world, to change uh, the life Jesus came to give you. He wants to give you the power to overcome temptation and the sin that keeps you beaten down in your life. He wants to give you the power to do whatever God wants you to do, wants to do through you. That's it. It's not your life. You, when you accept Jesus, you no longer become the owner of your life. You were bought with a price. You're not your own. You now are under the influence and the subjection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes from being your Savior, thank God for the saving grace, but now He's your Lord, He's your King. He's the one who wants to guide and lead you. He's got great plans for your life, things you never imagined you could do, but He can't do it unless you're willing, and He has to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, this is where I'm at personally. I'm hungry. Not, not for food. Yes, I know it's getting late. <laughs> but I'm hungry. You know what? I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting all that God wants to give me. Amen. I want all that God wants to give Now, some of y'all, immediately when I said that, you're thinking about things. God wants to give me things, but all he wants to give me things for is to bless others. So I'm okay with that, but I want all of God. If this book, and I'm not talking about my iPad, I'm talking about the Word of God, the Bible that I have on this. If it's truly the Word of God, it's truly breathed of God, as Paul tells Timothy. If it is that everything in here is true about God, and that I can have all of Him I want, and all I have to do is seek Him. He said, when you seek me with all your heart, you're going to find me. Then why would I want the fullness of His presence in my life? Why wouldn't I want to walk daily with, with Him and Him with me? Why wouldn't I want to be led and guided by His Spirit on a daily basis? Why wouldn't I want to step out in faith and pray for somebody who's in need? Why wouldn't I want to share? You see my point? Why? This life is but a mist, a vapor. I want to leave a positive mark on this world. I want to fulfill my call of being a witness and reaching the lost and building something. Not because I'm a pastor, because I'm a Spirit-filled believer. There's a difference there. It's not there for just pastors and teachers. It's there for everyday living for God. We forget that. 
This is a big part of what God wants to do. He wants to cause an overflow of his presence and power in your, influ- in your life to influence you and those you come into contact. Now, usually, this is where we kind of get a little uneasy about is when the eruption takes place, what comes out? Going back to what's inside, right? What comes out? Because this is what most people are concerned about, right? Because of preconceived ideas of what being baptized in the Holy Spirit is like, especially the first time, right? We get this idea of things you've heard, right? And so we get concerned about this, and we make it, ooh, mystical. It doesn't have to be. God's given us intellect, and when you're saved, he starts wanting to give you his mind, the mind of Christ. So we can look at this from a biblical standpoint, and we can learn and see what we can expect when this happens. So let's look at this. I want us to be understanding today. Okay, so what happens? What takes place? So we're going to quickly look at four things in, this, in Scripture today. Real quick, there are four quick points. I do you think you're just getting down to your introduction? Yeah, pretty much, but it's okay. These are four quick points. And I want us to look at this because I want you to first say, is that something I want? Is it something I need? And what does that really mean? And so we're going to look at four things that are influenced by the Holy Spirit. Okay, uh, These are not in any particular order. So don't, don't, get, don't think, well, I got them out of order. This is not an exhaustive list. Meaning there's other things. But these are four things as we look at Scripture. I see that the Holy Spirit, when you're baptized... In him, in that power, these four things are immediately affected in your life. The first one is praise. Praise. Acts chapter 2, verse 11. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in what? Our tongues. Now, right there, you think tongues, you think, oh, blah, blah. That in this case, they were actually speaking, Eng- or not English, excuse me, the language of the culture, okay? Matter of fact, there are several languages they spoke. So declaring the wonders of God, guess what that is? That's praise. They started, they were in a different language, so those who were hearing could hear it in their language, but the character is what? They were declaring the praises of God. That's the primary mission of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there to direct attention, not to himself. He is a person. His whole purpose is to direct attention to Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything about the Holy Spirit is about pointing people to Jesus. You have to understand that. Pointing people to Jesus. He's also there to empower the believer to point people to Jesus. That's your witness. So if you're living your life and you're not pointing people to Jesus, you have a problem with your witness. See my point? I want you to understand that. Witness. We think it's about, hi, my name's Tony. What's your name, sir? Guy, good to meet you. You're a nice guy. I can tell already. You're a nice guy. Nicest guy I know, by the way. <laughs> well, I'm a Christian. Are you, are, you, are you burning? You going to hell, brother? Are you ready to meet Jesus? You give your heart to the Lord, that's what I'm trying to say, buddy. I mean, you're going to church, you're paying your tithes, you read your Bible every day, and you're praying three hours a day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We think that's a witness. I'm joking with that, obviously. That's not a witness. That's a very bad witness. But a witness is not necessarily what that would be considered, even if you go tell someone about Jesus in a nice way. It's, it's, we call that confrontational witnessing. In other words, you're getting kind of, hey, let's talk about where you're headed. But, yeah, there's times for that, no doubt about it. But really, your witness is how you live your life every day. How you live your life every day. Come on. I hope my wife knows I'm saved and filled with the Holy Spirit by the way I treat her. Now, there's some days I'm probably not as good as others, but I... 
I find those are days I haven't spent time in the Holy Spirit or in the Word and Holy Prayer. Okay, I'm, I'm, let me hurry up here. Okay, let me hurry. Okay, I could go all day on this, guys. I want you to have this. Brother Glenn's not in here. He's out there in children's church. We demoted him out there with the kids because he wouldn't behave. But he keeps reminding me of something that I said, and I do believe God put it in my spirit, that we would go to three services one day. Now, yeah, we're all behind that until y'all have to start showing up and serving in three services. We'll, we'll talk about recruitment later, right? But my point being is, is how are we going to get there? It's by you, your witness. And people said, there's something different about you. I hear you talk about your church a lot. That crazy pastor you have, right? Yeah, it's you. Anyways, let me keep going. So it's in praise, okay? It's in, it's in praise to exalt Jesus. When the Holy Spirit baptizes you, whether for the first time or for the thousandth time, you can't help but give praise no matter where you are or who you're with, see? It's in praise. It's interesting that when we come together and we, and we get in here and we start praising God, the Holy Spirit comes and fills this room. But it's also, like I've already said, I've already made this point, it's also about being out there in public and giving. If you're a spirit-filled believer, you should be giving God praise for whatever He does. It's not like you have to run around, oh, praise God, praise God. But when something good happens, thank you, Jesus. People will hear you. People will hear you. When something good happens in their life, give God praise. Man, I'm so happy that God, that this happened. God, praise God that this good thing happened to you, see. It's about praise. Let me continue on, all right? Second thing is over in Acts 19, 6, uh, when the Holy Spirit erupts out of you, He influences you through encouragement. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues, and what did they do? They prophesied. Now, I don't have a whole lot of time to teach here because I know that time's getting late, but understand this. When he says prophesize there, we, we get this idea that suddenly they started foretelling things in the future. Well, next week, uh, Paul, you're going to be in jail and prison. And no, we, no, it, it wasn't. It was okay. In the Old Testament, prophecy or prophesying was almost always about predicting what was going to happen. God would give the prophets something to say, and then they would speak forth God's word. And it usually was in the form of predicting a future event. Usually it was judgment, okay? In the New Testament, outside of Revelation and a few other scriptures Paul gives us in accordance to the rapture and things like that, prophecy is typically as, not as much about predicting things as it is about speaking into li the lives of people. It's foretelling whatever God lays on your heart to tell somebody. See, we've, we've made this, ooh, ooh. let's understand it. I'm not making this up. This, this is, when you break it down, this is what it's talking about. 1 Corinthians 14 tells us that when we prophesy, we do it for people's encouragement, strengthening, and comfort. It's speaking encouragement is what it is. When you speak to people, you're speaking encouragement to them, okay? But it's different than coming up with something you want to say out of your head. It's the unction of the Holy Spirit within you. Every spirit-filled believer should be an encourager. Everyone should have a powerful witness, and in the form of that witness should be encouragement. And what they do is they were foretelling the Word of God, and whoever heard it, I guarantee it was encouraging. How can you not tell the wonders of God and, and, and speak in obedience to God, His Word, and it not encourage those around them? It's telling them what the Spirit would have you say. Prophecy, in other words, is an explosion of your spirit well, whereby you speak encouragement into somebody's life. And I don't know about you, 
But we need some encouraging in our world today, don't we? I don't know about you, but there's homes that need encouraging words spoken. There's spouses that need encouraging words spoken of. There's children that need encouraging words spoken of. There's places of employment. There's ballparks. There's malls, shopping centers that need encouragement spoken over people because there's enough negativity out there. There's enough hate speech out there. Come on. Somebody get your front parking spot and just see. You better be filled with the Holy Spirit. Third thing is your prayer. Your prayer time. Acts 10, 46. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And this is the most controversial group because this, is, this, this tongue thing has got so many believers, followers of Christ, at arm's length of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay? And I'm going to very quickly give you, there's, there's four things, and I'm only going to hit on three, but there's four things we talk about tongues or speaking in a heavenly language or language that you don't know, okay? We've we got to understand that. And the first thing I want to ask you for just a minute, to make this 101 easy to understand. If you believe in miracles, raise your hand. Okay, let me put, you, put your hand. If you don't believe in miracles, raise your hand. Of course, if you didn't, you wouldn't probably say that. I know. All right. The simplest way to understand tongues is if you believe God performs miracles... Do you not believe God can perform a miracle of language? We get caught up on, well, what am I going to sound like? What are people going to... No, 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 no. Don't worry about all that. It's nothing more than a miracle of language that when the Holy Spirit is activated, empowered, starts coming out of you, like I said, it affects the weakest member of your body. The Bible tells us this is the weakest part of your body. There's power of life and death in what you speak. You better have the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life so you speak life to people. See? And, that, and that's what it is. So when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, the first thing you've got to know is it is the initial physical evidence of it. Not for me to know you've been baptized. I say this all the time. Well, why do you need to know I'm baptized? I don't. If you tell me you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, how am I supposed to know either way unless the Spirit bears witness with me that you are or not? Or if I look at your life. But... That's a subject for another time. See? Yeah. And so what happens is you're given this initial, it's, it's like, oh, it just comes out. Because why? He now starts controlling your tongue. He doesn't make you speak in tongues. You keep thinking he's going to take my tongue. Up. <laughs> right? He doesn't. You have to yield. You have to yield. See, you have to yield. Okay, and I know that was, it was getting a little tense in here. I lost some of y'all. Some of y'all are like, oh, 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 okay. All right, yield. You have to yield, okay? It's for you. Another use of tongues is in the operational gift that's accompanied by interpretations. We have that happen in our service sometimes, right? Not everyone who's baptized in the Spirit necessarily has this gift. You can. We're told you should desire all the gifts. But if you don't feel like that's your gift or gift, that's, that's fine. But its purpose is solely for the edification, encouraging, and lifting up the body of Christ. That's it. It's there to edify the body. To encourage us. Okay? The third use of tongues in which the Holy Spirit influences and erupts within you is for praying in the Spirit. By the way, the fourth one I mentioned, I'm not going to talk about. There is the, the, the miracle, like we see in Acts chapter 2, where God can use tongues in you to where you speak a language you don't know that could be understood by people group, okay? All right, I'm not going to, you know, we understand that. They don't need explanation. So, 
Um, but the third way is, 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 is in your prayer life is when the, pray, the Spirit prays through you. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the initial tongue, this is my belief, I think is biblical, that initial tongue that's given to you when you're baptized is, is there initially to let you know, okay, if you're wondering, now, because I have people all the time, how will I know I'm baptized? How will I know? Well, you're going to feel the Spirit come upon you. You're going to respond. It's going to erupt out of you, control the weakest member. And now you know, and then that tongue, that language that he's given you, heavenly language, that prayer language, you are now responsible for developing that. Think about a baby. The first word, I'm not saying this is you speaking in tongues. I'm talking about an infant physical baby. Mom, 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 or no, dad, dad, dad. We all want them to say dad, dads, right? Dads all want to say dads, right? Mom. But after a while, as they practice that, it comes out mom or dad. And after a while, as they hear mom and dad and others speaking, they start putting sentences together. It's no different in the spirit realm. He's going to give you something. You out of faith need to speak it. And then every day as you start praying in the spirit as you are led he's going to pray through you and you're going to have a language that you know not of okay well why do i need that pastor that's great great why do you need that well it tells us in romans 8 that the spirit prays through you when you don't know how to pray if you have kids you know what i'm talking about there's times we don't know how to pray or if you have aging parents something i'm going through don't know how to pray. God, how do I pray for a mom who has Alzheimer's who doesn't know me anymore? How do I pray for her, Lord? Because I have no idea. Do I pray, God, give her a mind back? Okay, I'm praying that, but Lord, I'm not seeing any evidence of that. How would you want me to pray? What's really going on in her mind? I know that sounds silly until you get an aging parent and they have some type of health issue. You don't know, what do I do here, Lord? How do I pray? Say. When you pray in the Spirit, it edifies and builds you up. Scripture says that. When you pray in the Spirit, it edifies you and builds you. You may not know what you're praying, but when the Spirit starts erupting out of you and empowering you, when you, when you are baptized, help me, Lord. i got to get this out. Water baptism should be once in your lifetime. It's not okay if you get it. If you backslide, you walk away, you need it again, that's fine. I'm going to be preaching on that in a couple weeks. Baptism in the Spirit should be a daily event in your life, okay? Every day you should humble yourself before the, th- the, 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 the foot of the cross and ask the Holy Spirit as you're worshiping the Lord, you're spending time to empower you again. You should pray in tongues. I would encourage you every day. You'll see a change in your life. If you have an addiction in your life, if you have some type of bondage in your life, if you have a relationship in your life, you don't know how you're going to handle it at work or at home. If every day you get on your knees and allow the Holy Spirit to empower you, You'll see how those situations change, how those chains fall off of you. It changes your life, but God's not going to force it on you. Does he want to do this for you? And he's given us a way. Come on now, some of you Pentecostals out there, been you ought to be standing up and shouting me down right now. Some of y'all been wanting this preach for a long time. Well, here you go. We are a Pentecostal believing fellowship. And I want to operate within the gifts. But I really want your witness to be what's seen out in the world. See? That's what God wants. Because lives are in the balance. If we don't reach them, who's going to reach them? If they don't hear the word, they're going to burn eternity separated from God. And that's never been his plan. Hell, the lake of fire was never designed for man. It was designed for Satan and those angels who rebelled against God. Okay, i got to come to the end here. All right. Every day, you need to be edified and encouraged. Every day, you need to know the will of the Father. The Holy Spirit prays through you the will of the Father when you don't know what it is. 
You need it. When God lays somebody on your heart, you're not sure why. You need to be praying in the Spirit because you don't know what spiritual battle they're fighting right now. The final thing, eruption, I want to bring to your attention. I will try to. I've kind of, I've kind of hit it in these first three points. But it is about power. It's about power. The Holy Spirit, you know, you get stirred up. The Holy Spirit gets stirred up within you. When we worship and out of your mouth comes praise and prayer language and encouragement. And this becomes the gateway moment, the doorway to the power of God to be released in you. For what? For you to be that witness God wants you to be. The power is not there for to give you the willies. Woohoo! I feel good. You better feel good. It's okay to feel good. It's okay to shout. It's okay to jump. It's even okay to run if you feel like running. But that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit will make you do that. That's where we get scared. Well, I don't know, Pastor. I don't want to fall out on the floor. Okay, don't. I don't want to run. Trust me, I may not want you to run. All right. But seriously, it's to give you the power so that you can be a witness. Because here's the thing. We want, we want the power, and I do. I want the gifts. I want all the gifts. I want the, the, the word of knowledge so that I can help you and those who God puts in my pathway. The, word, the words of wisdom. I, I want miracles. I want to lay hands on people and, and, and see them healed. I want those things. I want, I desire. Why wouldn't you want to desire? Well, that's a little prideful, Pastor. No, it's not. God gave us that for the very purpose of reaching the lost. But maybe those are great witnessing tools. Hey, Mike, come up here. Let me pray for you, buddy. I'm going to see you healed. And that's a great witness. But even Jesus talks about chasing after signs and wonders. Because really, I'm going to end with this. Alex, if you want to come back up, I want to end with this. Really, the greatest testimony. I've been preaching around this. So I know you've heard this. The really the greatest powerful the, the greatest power in your life is not to lay on hands and see people healed or word of knowledge. Maybe the greatest witness is your changed life. Amen. See, I believe that. I believe today, even in the Pentecostal fellowship, even in, within our body right here, our local church, Bear Creek, there's people who have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and this is, I'm not, this is not a browbeating. I, I know you can track more flies with sugar, ants, whatever the saying is. I, but I've got to be honest with you. Some of you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I can tell. Because the defeat in your life. The, the, lack, of, the, the lack of being able to overcome your past. Doesn't mean you're not saved. Don't, hear your, don't misunderstand what your pastor's saying. You believe upon the Lord, just like right there in Acts 8. They believed the word. They were new believers. The word says it. Unless you want to argue with the word. Unless you want to say they're lying right there and this is not the word of God. They were new believers. They believed and were baptized in water for repentance of sin. And then Peter and John come along and lay hands on them. Something changed in their lives. And see, some of you have not had that change. You believe upon the word. You've been baptized, but you're still struggling with your past. We all have a past. When your pastor's years don't compare to mine, I've got a pretty rough past. Say, or you're, you're fighting something in your life that's controlling you. 
See, addiction isn't all about alcohol and drugs. An addiction is anything that's controlling you you don't want. I want to be addicted to Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the addiction I want. But can I be honest with you? I've got an addiction to something else too. Food. Some people live to eat. Some people eat to live. You say, well, Pastor, why do you bring that out? Because I can show you in Scripture where it talks about gluttony as being a sin. I tell you, brother, I preached on it a little bit. And that's true. And look, I don't want anyone drinking because I know the effect it can have on you. I don't want anyone smoking because I know the effect it can have on you and those around you. All right? I, I, I don't want that. I, I don't want you addicted to things in your life that's going to undermine the will of God, the plans of God, and that's going to destroy and create a stronghold in your mind, just like food can. Or power. Power. Some of us just want power, control. Some of you mamas are helicopter mamas. You hover. And you know what? Those are strongholds. You're going to get the truth today. Those are strongholds. And the enemy is controlling you. Because you mamas that are hovering, you're fearful. Or you're not letting your kids grow up. You're not letting them make mistakes. Well, I don't want them to be hellions like I was. Well, okay, then pray in the Spirit over them. Come on. Come on. Lead by example. Quit calling their daddy a deadbeat or their mama some name that they don't need to be hearing anyways. Spend time as a family. Say, what do you need? We say, Pastor, what's I got to do with the power of the Holy Spirit? There's things in your life that need the power of the Holy Spirit to help you overcome so that you can be a witness to your wife, sir. A witness to your children, ma'am. A witness to your co-worker. The person who serves the food today when you go to lunch and it isn't exactly like you want. Well, instead of getting mad and not tipping them, why don't you pray for that waiter or waitress? Come on, somebody. They're trying to make a living. May I ask you, if you'd stop going out, they'd shut these restaurants down on Sundays, and now everybody could have the day, Lord's Day off. I'm with you. I go to restaurants too, so there's, I'm not throwing stones. I'm just saying. Be patient with these people. Let your witness. Instead, won't you tip the young lady a little bit more? Just leave her a note. See you's having a rough day. I hope this blesses you. That's the power of the Holy Spirit to encourage make sense we all want the heebie-jeebies and or we're afraid of the heebie-jeebies and all i want is what god wants the fullness i want his fullness and we don't have to be scared of the holy spirit amen you with me james i know you've been watching brother i love you steve we're good have I been on task today, Steve? I'll be, okay, I need, I need some affirmation here. I know it's getting late. I know y'all's stomachs are starting to grumble. It's not the spirit, though. That's not the utterance that cannot be understood that the Bible speaks about. So how do I end this? I'm going to end it like I, like I did two weeks ago, and I didn't get to end it last week because the Holy Spirit moved. But if you're here this morning, and you've never been baptized, first of all, if you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus, it begins there as your Lord and Savior. 
there's no fear. Do not be afraid to come up front right now and let me pray for you. I've got people ready to meet you and introduce you to the most wonderful person you could ever be. And that's my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, will you come and let us pray? Because that's where life begins. Jesus died to give you a life. So come on. Anybody at all this morning want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Oh, don't miss this moment. Don't, I'm, don't miss this moment. Your life will be Matter of fact, we can, we can lead you to the Lord and let the Spirit baptize you all at the same time if you want. Okay. That altar call is still open. If that's you, in a minute you want to move, say, well, I don't want to be the only one down there. Okay, well now, I know the altar's about to fill up because now, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you want the power that's already within you to erupt out of you so that you can be the man or the woman of God God's called you to be the husband, the wife, the daughter, the son, come on, the parent, whatever it is, role in your life that you need. If you want that today, won't you come on down? I've got some people want to pray for you. Brother Andy, come on. My prayer team, I need you to move real quick. Just step right over there, right over there. Matter of fact, why don't you go ahead and kneel? Let's, I think we need to start learning how to kneel. Kneel. Come on. If you want to be rebaptized in the Holy Spirit, why not today? Why not let it happen? Some of y'all out there have been in Pentecost your whole life. You're looking at me like I'm stupid today, like I'm an idiot today. Come on. You know this is what we grew up on. Why have we gone away from it? Why don't we believe it anymore? Why won't we move here? God's calling. These new folks to the Lord, they're the ones who are hungry, who are moving. What, what happened to our hunger and thirst for more of God, more of His presence, more of His power, more witness in our lives? What's happened to us? Have we become dried out and dead? Is that what's happened to us? We've become so used to it? Are we stop believing in it anymore? Or we don't need it anymore? I'm sorry, I refuse. I stand before God as the pastor of this church and I refuse to go there. We are Pentecostal, not because I wear a badge or a medal, because I need the power of the Most High God growing through my veins and through my body, through my actions, through my thoughts, through my mouth to be a witness for the kingdom of God. Oh, God, help us. God, help us when we walk through this life casually as children of God. God, help us. Come on, I need spirit-filled people right out up here praying with these folks. In the name of Jesus. Well, I don't know what happened in these altars because God had me ministering to a young lady here, but I'm believing that miracles took place in her today. Don't ever stop believing in miracles. As you believe, so shall it be. It's called faith. Amen. Stand with me all across the room. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Thank you for being here. Try to be here next week. We're going to try to wrap this series up. I'm going to be preaching on partnership next week. The partnership of the Holy Spirit. We need to hear it. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, for I believe today, Lord, that you have received our worship and our praise, God, for what it is, Lord. Our adoration, our love, our appreciation to you, God. Lord, throughout the week, things of this world, our jobs, our families, God, our, our hobbies, Lord. They draw our attention, God, and that's just part of life. But Lord, for the last two hours plus, God, we have dedicated our attention unto you, Lord, given it to you, God, willingly and fully. And Lord, I believe you've received it for what it is, our best, God, and our adoration, our love for you. Now, God, I pray you go with us as we leave this place. God, as, the, as you call the, the priest, the high priest to speak over your people, God, I speak over them, Lord, the, the priestly blessing, God, that you, Father, that you go with us this week as we leave this place. 
God, that you will, your, you will countenance will be upon us, God, and you will show mercy, Lord, towards us, God, that you'll smile upon us, your countenance will be turned to us, God, and we will receive the peace, God, that we need in such a chaotic world. But Lord, as we go also, may we be reminded, Lord, that your name is written upon us, God. And Lord, wherever we go, may we represent you and your kingdom the way we ought to, God. As witnesses empowered by your spirit, God. Encouraging, God, people that need encouraging. Praying for people. Even we don't know how to pray, Lord, in your spirit, God. Oh, I pray that, Lord, allow your power to flow through us, God, as we give you praise and glory and honor, Lord. And we let our lives testify of your goodness for us, God. Thank you, God. I'm believing in great things ahead for this church, Lord. We just scratched the surface, God. And I give you the praise. I give you the glory, God. All honor is due you in the wonderful name of your strong son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's give him praise in the house. Come on. Can we celebrate the goodness of the Lord today? Hallelujah. 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 Now go with God. Go in peace as you leave here in this place today. Amen. God bless you, church. joining our podcast. Here at Bear Creek AG, our goal is to help others know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Have a great week.